0: The scripture lesson for today comes from the fourth chapter of the gospel according to John. I'll begin reading at the fourth verse. Jesus had to go through Samaria. He came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, which was near the land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from his journey, so he sat down at the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me some water to drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy him some food. The Samaritan woman asked, why do you, a Jewish man, ask something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. Jesus responded, If you recognized God's gift and who is saying to you, Give me some water to drink, you would be asking him, and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you don't have a bucket, and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well. And he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty and will never need to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, get your husband and come back here. The woman replied, I don't have a husband. You are right to say I don't have a husband, Jesus answered. You have had five husbands and the man you are with now isn't your husband. You've spoken the truth. The woman said sir I see that you are a prophet our ancestors worshiped on this mountain but you and your people say that it is necessary to worship in Jerusalem Jesus said to her believe me woman the time is coming when you and your people will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you and your people worship what you don't know we worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews but the time is coming and is here when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. The Father looks for those who, are, who worship him this way. God is spirit, and it is necessary to worship God in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will teach everything to us. Jesus said to her, I am the one who speaks with you. Just then, Jesus' disciples arrived and were shocked that he was talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? The woman put down her water jar and went into the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything I have done. Could this man be the Christ and continuing in verse 39 many Samaritans in that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's word when she testified he told me everything I've ever done so when the Samaritans came to Jesus they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two more days many more believed because of his word And they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is truly the savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Startle us, O God, with your faith your truth, your hope, your grace. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. For most of us who will be hearing this sermon, the task of going to a well to draw water is not familiar. I've done it once. It was on a trip to Uganda with some of our Knox members when we funded a new school there. At the building site, there was a well, and one day our group helped to draw and carry water. In communities where people get their water this way, it is no small task. Water is often carried in large plastic containers that look like gasoline cans. You have to fill them full enough to make the trip to the well worth it, but not so full that you won't be able to carry them home. And some folks walk for miles to get to a well. Wells can be uncertain and limited. People in communities who are sharing a well have to be cognizant of not taking more than their share. Sometimes a well runs dry and folks have to wait for water trucks to arrive on an unpredictable schedule. And in the midst of all of these challenges, water is necessary to sustain life. So you have to keep going to the well over and over and over again. Whatever frustrations you and I may face about the drudgery of some of our repeated household tasks, unloading the dishwasher or making the bed, I imagine you have to multiply the difficulty of those tasks by about a hundred. And then remember that the task is not just about cleaning up, it's about survival. And then you have the task of going to a well to carry water. All of this is pretty easy for me to forget every morning when I wake up, walk into the bathroom, rubbing my eyes, and turn on the water, and then walk away to do something else while I wait for the shower to get to just the right temperature. And all the while, right down the drain, goes plenty of clean, fresh, potable water. Water that countless people the world round in ancient times and still today must go and get at the well. So, now we are somewhat acquainted with the task of this woman who arrives at the well in John chapter 4. She's there to do an essential task, an uncertain task a task of daily drudgery and yet necessary to sustain life. Take one step closer to this story, and we notice that she is taking on this difficult labor at what time of day? At noon. High noon. Sun way up in the sky. She's beginning her task at the very worst time of day, the hardest time to be there. And why would she have been doing that except for the hope that nobody else will be there this woman hopes not to see anyone else at the well but today there is someone there it's a man a stranger Ask any woman how it feels to be someplace you hoped that you would be all alone, and then to come upon a strange man, and you know that this is a vulnerable situation. And this is the ancient world. No cell phone, no pepper spray, in the event that things go sideways. And what's more, she is a Samaritan, and he is a Jew. And these people do not associate with one another. So it's quite unexpected when this Jew asks the Samaritan woman if she might share her water with him. These people don't associate, much less do they share food and drink, and so this is an invitation into a conversation that would have been quite unexpected. At this point, I'm going to digress for a moment and share with you some things that you might keep in mind about this story. This story, which appears in John chapter 4, comes immediately on the heels of the story of Nicodemus in chapter 3. We read that one just a few weeks ago. For John, these two characters, Nicodemus and the woman at the well, they are dramatic reversals of one another. Nicodemus is a man, and as a Pharisaic Jew, is a powerful insider in the culture. Compare that to the Samaritan woman, unnamed, who is a vulnerable outsider. Nicodemus comes to see Jesus in secret under the cover of darkness. That's where he brings his doubts and his skepticism. But you'll see that the Samaritan woman, who has every reason to be suspicious, reacts to Jesus with curiosity and openness And talks with Jesus in broad daylight. The reactions of these two people to their encounter with Jesus follow along likewise. Nicodemus will disappear back into the darkness, unsure of what to think about Jesus. The Samaritan woman will run to tell everyone that she can find. Let's take a look at the way that her story evolves. So the woman has come to the well. She's there for a task she doesn't want to do at a time when she doesn't want to have to do it. And now a strange man who arrived with no bucket has asked her for a drink. But quickly, this is going to become a much different encounter than what she may have expected. When she expresses her surprise at Jesus for asking a drink of a Samaritan, Jesus replies that he is actually the one who is going to give something to her. Not just a cup of water, but a drink that will allow her to never be thirsty again. Imagine the magnitude of what is being offered here. We all seem to have things in our life that we hope will quench our thirst, but that just leave us thirsty again. I wonder what it is for you. For some of us, it might be the acquisition of things. Do you keep buying stuff? Do you keep fixing up parts of your house or of your yard? Do you keep upgrading your car a little bit more, only to notice that when you're finished, you discover that there's something else that you still need. For others of us, it might be addiction, literally filling a glass or a plate with food or drink that never satisfies and that just leaves you wanting more again. For some of us, it's ambition or perfection, striving after that next promotion, longing to complete that next project or to reach that next milestone surely when you get there you'll be able to take a break But you just keep being let down because with each achievement with each completed task something else creeps in that still has to get done and until you reach it you will never rest you'll never be good enough thirsting striving yearning sometimes it can be healthy but the thirsts I'm describing are the kind of thirsts that can really steal away life from us. Can you imagine how compelling it would be to meet someone who would take away that kind of thirst, that nagging sense that things aren't right, that incompleteness, that hole in your soul? He wants to take that feeling away. He wants to give living water. The woman at the well is intrigued. But who is this stranger making the promise? What does he know about her, about her life and her struggles? How could he possibly be the one to do this for her? And that's when the exchange about her husband begins. This woman Presumably has something of a reputation in town. She's coming to the well alone at noon for a reason. This stranger knows about her at a level of detail that she could not have imagined. Here's the thing, though. This story is not about Jesus' clairvoyant knowledge of her private affairs. This is not a miracle story. The thing that matters is not that he knows these things about her. What matters is that he doesn't judge her for it. He knows everything about her. And he extends his love, his care, his acceptance just the same. He gives her grace, he wants her to let go of her shame. Can you imagine if someone made this offer to you? Most of us carry around some secret that we aren't too proud of, some misdeed of the past or problem of the present that we don't want for anyone to know about. What if someone named your secret right to your face and then said that it was okay? That they accept you and that they won't hold it against you. You don't have to be burdened by the shame of that secret anymore. Wouldn't that just set you free? And that's what Jesus does for her. The woman who came to the well in the heat of the day, just to avoid seeing the other townspeople, what does she do after she meets Jesus? She races into town, and to everyone that she can find, she cries, I just met this stranger. He told me everything I have ever done, and that I'm still lovable. I'm free. Can I share this gift with you? She's overjoyed. All of her shame, any preoccupation she had with herself, it all just kind of falls away because she's received the gift of grace, a gift that can only get better by sharing it. And the way the story ends is that her joy is so infectious that the people she tells, they believe it too. It seems to me that three key questions emerge from this story, questions we ought to sit with ourselves if we want to have our own encounter with Jesus. The first question is this, can you receive gifts such as these for yourself? Can you receive gifts such as these for yourself? This story isn't told in the Bible just so that we can be jealous that it happened to somebody else. It's told because we're supposed to put ourselves in the place of that woman at the well. Imagine that, exhausted, downhearted in drudgery or ashamed, you arrive at the well in the heat of the day and find that salvation is waiting there. Acceptance, grace, and love. This is what God has for you. Can you receive that gift? The second question is this. Can you pass these gifts on to someone else? Maybe the gifts of this story are ones that you need to receive, and maybe they're not, but someone else needs them. Can you be the one who runs into town, whatever town might mean for you? And can you share with someone who might need to hear it that shame and guilt does not need to rule their lives? Can you do this for someone else? Can you share the good news of grace? Some of us may feel like these are big tasks and we are not quite ready. So the third question is one that is much simpler. Can you open yourself to God's spirit by giving somebody else a drink? That's what happens in this story. The woman in this story arrives at the well tired and overwhelmed and trapped in the drudgery of daily tasks, ashamed because of how the townspeople have made her feel. She's not looking for her life to change that day. But her whole life does change because she takes a chance on dropping her bucket into the well and offering a drink to a stranger. What small act of kindness might have the potential to change your life? I wonder. Three questions. Can you receive gifts such as these for yourself? Can you pass these gifts on to someone else? Can you offer somebody else a drink? These are the ways we encounter Jesus. Amen.